0: hear the word of God from Ezekiel and Mark. These readings come from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find these readings on page 817 and 673 in the Pew Bible. The prophet Ezekiel. He said to me, O mortal, stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. And when he spoke to me, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. He said to me, Mortal, I am sending you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are impudent. And stubborn. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. The Gospel of Mark. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all of this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin and in their own house and he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them and he was amazed at their unbelief then he went about among the villages teaching he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits He ordered them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you, and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Sawabona. Sawabona. It is so good to see you all. What a joy to be with you today, to be back in this beautiful city and this amazing church, and to be connecting with so many good and wonderful friends. I'm so grateful for the invitation. Uh, Lee sends her love and greetings all the way from South Africa. She would have loved to have been here today. Uh, but I'm just so grateful for this opportunity for, to McGray, for his gracious invitation for me to be preaching this morning. Uh, this really is a joy. Uh, and it also gives me opportunity to dust off some of the American that I learned from all y'all. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. I've entitled the sermon this morning, When Hearing is Hard. Let us pray. And our living God, speak to us a living word. And by your grace, may we hear through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Do you realize that that what's happening right now is nothing short of a miracle? You see, right now my lips are helping to shape sound waves being generated by my voice box that are hurtling towards you at the rather impressive speed of 787 miles per hour. But before they rush on by you, your outer ear funnels these sound waves down your auditory canal, where they strike a tympanic membrane called the eardrum, causing it to vibrate. Attached to the other side of the eardrum are the three tiniest bones in the human body, the hammer, anvil, and stirrup, or if you want to be fancy, you could use their Latin names, malleus, incus, and stapes. I had to look that up. (laughs) The vibrations from the eardrum play hopscotch through these three tiny bones en route to a fluid filled structure in the inner ear called the cochlea. At this point, I can't keep up with the intricacies of the process that unfold at a level of complexity and subtlety that's truly mind blowing. The vibrations disrupt the fluid in the cochlea, producing a chemical response between potassium and calcium ions, which causes microscopic hairs in a section of the cochlea called the organ of corti to become depolarized, which triggers the release of neurotransmitters, sending an electrical signal along the auditory nerve into the auditory cortex of the brain, where the signal is decoded so that you are able to make sense of the different sounds that you're hearing and maybe even recognize some of them in spite of my accent as particular words arranged together in unique combinations to form sentences that convey thoughts and ideas that sometimes maybe can even be intelligible. And all of this is happening all the time. It's happening to you and me right now. It's what we call hearing and it's... A miracle which most of us take for granted. We seldom pause to reflect upon the sheer genius genius of this miraculous gift from God and how incredibly precious it is until our hearing or that of a loved one is compromised, which then quickly reveals How vital this faculty is to our ability to connect with others. But it's not just clinical hearing loss that compromises our capacity to hear, and with it, our ability to connect. We live in such a noisy world, cram packed with so many competing voices and messages. Constantly bombarding us from every side, clamoring for our attention, presenting varying versions of the news, the essence of the pushing radically to diverse political, political points of view attain, ago, pressing us 19. to buy all sorts of products, they try the the to drown out the other voices as to they do. blare and boo their particular questions, louder and louder in deafening, ear-spitting way, It can be overwhelming. The noise can make it hard to hear anything. Sometimes don't you long for it all to just stop? Especially those voices you don't particularly care for. And so we apply our filters on the news feeds we follow or the networks we watch or or the company we keep to cut off those voices that we'd rather not hear. Voices that typically come from the other side, which I guess is understandable. It's a necessary survival strategy, I suppose, to stop going absolutely barking mad But at what cost? Especially when it's become so easy to dismiss points of view with which you disagree as fake news or maybe Fox News. And when that posture of dismissal of the voices with which you do not agree, when that becomes your default especially when you've got 53.2 million followers on Twitter. But even if you don't, it really matters. It really costs. Because, friends, the hard truth for all of us is this. When we filter out the voices from the other side, we easily filter out the voice of God as well. From the very first page of the Bible, God's voice is revealed to be one filled with the most incredible, creative, life-giving power. When there was nothing to, that could hear except the darkness of a formless void, God spoke a word, light, and light appeared. And so it continued, words full of imagination and longing and love, poured out of the mouth of God and the entire cosmos burst into being. Swirling galaxies filled with dancing starlight, majestic mountain peaks and surging seas, towering redwoods and fragile butterfly wings splurged with the most delicate droplets of color and the crowning glory of it all. Humankind, fashioned from the dust, yet filled with God's breath, or was it God's word of life? Surely of all the voices, this is the one we most need to hear. Surely this is the voice we dare not ignore, yet tragically that's exactly what has happened in virtually every chapter of human history. Yes, God's ringing voice can be heard in the beauty of creation. We've we've all been hushed, haven't we, by the song of a sunrise, or captured by the penetrating whisper of a starry night sky. But even then, we still didn't really hear it. Or, Or if we heard it, we couldn't hold it for more than just a moment. So God spoke the word over and over again in tablets of stone at Sinai, in stories about the freeing of slaves and the toppling of tyrants, in the ringing words of prophets like Amos and the ringing music of singers like David. God spoke and sang and shouted and whispered, but still we wouldn't hear. Today's reading from Ezekiel gives us a glimpse into the anguish and long suffering of God because of our stubborn refusal to hear. God says to Ezekiel, I'm sending you to my people Israel, to a nation of rebels who have turned away from me. They're stubborn and obstinate, but I'm sending you to them. And whether they hear, Or refuse to hear, you shall say to them, thus says the Lord. Such is the nature of God's heart, that he will not stop sending this word of life, whether we hear or not. Paul Duke writes, So why wouldn't we hear this word from God? Maybe we weren't really paying attention. Maybe our ears were deafened by all the blaring noise down here. Maybe we're too stupid to catch on. Maybe we're not stupid at all, but are frankly not so interested in what our Creator might wish to say. Whatever the reason, here was the God who made us, losing us. Calling and calling and not getting through, and the words and the world slipping further and further away, and the echoes of the word growing fainter and fainter. So God did a new thing. At the center of the infinite came a constriction. The word gathered into God's heart like a life in a woman's womb. And in time, tore out of God's heart with a cry and uttered itself on the earth as, of all things, a little human being. The word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we might better grasp God's meaning. But even this word become flesh in the person of Jesus has not been truly heard. Our gospel reading today tells one of the saddest stories in the Bible. How Jesus came to his hometown of Nazareth and began to teach in the synagogue. The the townsfolk flocked to hear him. It was standing room only. And they were astounded. They could recognize the unmistakable ring of wisdom in his words. And they'd heard all about the deeds of power being done by his own hands. You'd think that they'd be proud this was one of their boys coming good, you'd think that they would be enthusiastically open to what he was saying. But no. Their familiarity with Jesus meant that there was nothing new that they were willing to hear from him. They already had him all figured out. He was the carpenter, for goodness sake. And so even the suggestion. That something more may be required from them. Something new in their thinking in response to what he was saying and doing from a different place now. Well, it was deeply offensive. And they would have none of it. They refused to hear this voice coming from the other side of what they'd always assumed about Jesus. This voice expressing a different perspective from what they'd always presumed. In Luke's version of the story, they were so offended that they were filled with murderous rage and even tried to lynch him. And Jesus was amazed and I'm sure deeply saddened at their unbelief and their tragic refusal to hear the living word of the living God. But he refused to give up. Such is the nature of God's heart that this word would continue to be sounded. And so Jesus continued to speak that living word, whatever the cost, even though ultimately it meant a cross. Immediately after this incident in Nazareth, he gathers together 12 of his disciples and sends them out for them to begin the work of sharing in this calling of making God's word known. He sends them out with no resources, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, just this word of life. And the authority that it holds. And Jesus says to them, go. Whether they hear or refuse to hear, proclaim the good news of repentance. So what is all of this saying to us today? Is there a word from God For this particular moment that is ours, that needs to be heard, however hard it may be. Maybe from the other side of the border, in the anguished cry of an immigrant mother separated from her child. Maybe from the other side of the barrier of continued LGBT exclusion in the church, in the pain of women and men of sacred worth who still do not have a full place at the table because of who they are. Maybe from the other side of a wounded planet, in the searching question of an ocean choked up with the plastic debris of our selfish lifestyles of convenience. There are many issues facing our worlds where surely we are needing to hear the voice of God. And so this morning, let me share what has been laid on my heart. I do so in obedience to that sense, and maybe you might hear in it a a word from God, maybe. So about two weeks ago, I was passing through Maryland. By the way, you do know that to anyone else not from here who has a vague knowledge of the English language, it's actually Maryland. Maryland. Though I accept you're entitled to pronounce your states however you may choose. Like Arkansas. Seriously? I mean, you've got Kansas and Arkansas. Are you just messing with people like me? Surely it's either Kansas and Arkansas or else Arkansas and Kansas. Just say. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not from here, but hopefully, you'll hear this from the other side. So, just after I was in Maryland, there was another mass shooting there in a newsroom in Annapolis. Five people were killed. Ostensibly, because the shooter was enraged by words. Published in that paper. That was 10 days ago. But already the news cycle has moved on. It's old news. Probably because it was, according to one count, the 154th mass shooting in this country this year. Friends, whether you're willing, willing to hear this or not, let me say, The gun culture in this country has become a form of idolatry, which means that because you're part of this culture, whether you like it or not, you all will have to choose which God you're going to serve. Following the Parkland shooting in February this year, young people from that school and elsewhere in the state, uh, including this very congregation, uh, and, and elsewhere around the country, young people found their voice in a new way, saying, enough. And they've spoken out and continue to do so with passion and eloquence and courage and conviction about the necessity for sensible gun control legislation. There are those who, of course, have taken offense, have dismissed them as just young people who refuse to hear what they're saying. But I think that in their voices, the voice of God can be heard. But I do want to say something more. As important and necessary as the long, hard work of changing gun legislation may be, there's something else that really can happen straight away. It might not make much of a strategic difference, but there's something else that can happen straight away that I believe can make a difference within the kingdom. I want to say to those of you who are gun owners, as kindly as I can, it's time to give them up. The promise they make of greater safety and security is a lie. And so I urge you to take whatever handguns or assault rifles you may legally own, however you acquire them, whatever they may mean to you. And I recognize that this is very hard but I urge you to take them to the relevant authorities for them to be destroyed. Not because anybody can force you to do so. They can't. Your Second Amendment's already made sure of that. But because you choose to do so. As a courageous act of faith, as someone who serves the Lord of life, and in obedience with a disturbing word from God, that maybe is asking something more from you. And if you do so, I want to say this. The moment your gun is destroyed, you will be a living embodiment, a living enfleshment of an alternative, of the hope and dream of God for our country and for our world where the scourge of gun violence is no more, where God's word of life can do its beautiful work. And so let me close. I do so with a simple story which I invite you to hear and to ponder as a a parable. A world-famous concert violinist was due to perform in Carnegie Hall Tickets were hundreds of dollars each, but the concert was sold out because so many wanted to hear this maestro play. On the day of the concert, he did a curious thing. Dressed not in his bow tie and tails, but in the shabby clothes of a busker struggling to make it, he took his Stradivarius down into the New York subway and started to play the concerto that he was due to perform that very evening the most amazing, magnificent music. But remarkably, nobody stopped to listen. The commuters in their busyness and their cocoons of seclusion just hurried on by, oblivious to the greatness and beauty in their midst, except for one small child who stopped, listened, and smiled. Amen. Let's be quiet for a few moments together. And so holy and gracious God, if there has been anything of you in these words... By your grace, may that word of yours, that word of life, lodge deep within each one of us, and may we be obedient to whatever it may be calling us to. In the name of Jesus, your living word.